Off the Chains has been sponsored by Team Disc Store, the team that sponsors yours truly, and Simeon Brothers Creative, design, print, and promotion. For any of your graphic design needs, please follow Simeon Brothers Creative on any of your social media platforms. That's S-I-M-I-A-N Brothers Creative. to another edition of Off the Chains, and I'm sorry for being a few days late, but this is episode 21 of season 2, and this is a disc golf podcast for those who have a true love and passion for the sport. I am your host with the most, of course, as always, Cody Enerbold, PDGA member 148739, and I'd like to kick off this week's episode by talking about a couple things. Number one, first, it is today is Saturday, June 4th. I am coming to you guys three days late, as I normally do. Um, I had a, I had a rough week this week, guys. Um, as we all know, a lot of people talk about it all the time in the group chats and you know, just in general about mental um, mental health. Um, I suffer from depression and anxiety, and I was just having a rough week. Dep- depression was getting to me. I'm just. There's just times where I just have episodes where I just don't want to do anything, kind of shut off to the world, and just don't want to talk. Um, so that's kind of why I didn't, um, haven't been on for a couple days um, and coming to you guys a little late. But I just watched the third round of the FPO of the Portland Open. So now that that's over, I can come on and talk to you guys now. So that's pretty much about why where I was. I'm sorry. Like I said, mental health is a, is a bitch for me. Um I have moments where I go, man, why am I, you know, going to be 30 this year at the end of this month? That was getting to me being, not being with anybody, not having any kids, not having a family. Um, it got to me. It really did. It really made me put uh, life into perspective. It made me realize like, what, there's something, what am I doing wrong? You know, but, um, so I apologize to you guys for not being around. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick was, uh, I'm kind of butthurt a little bit because I, uh, took place and I took part in the Walnut Open that I took first place in last year and that was in Walnut, Illinois on the 28th of May and of course go figure that same weekend they were doing a my good buddy Steve Rashawn was running the spring series the smooth spring series uh, events and now he's going into the summer events soon but the spring ones where he had an event at West Park in Rockdale, Illinois that's right outside Joliet and I played that course a million times, so my fear was going there and scoring really well, but not like even still not being close because that's just such an easy scorable course and such a fun course to play that I don't know. I just felt like and I felt like having 
the Walnut Open being that same weekend and taking it down last year, I felt like I needed to go back. But um, I was a little butt hurt because I didn't end up doing it because I found out from my buddy Alex Ator that the disc golf guy himself was participating in the springs in the Smooth Spring Series at West Park, Mr. Terry Miller. And he performed in the MP40 division and he took it down. So congratulations to him. Even though I'm a little butthurt, I didn't get to see him and meet him and get a picture with him because that would have been awesome. But it's unfortunate, but you know, life goes on and sometimes things like that do happen, even if it's unfortunate like that. But, um, and also, um, he commented on something about the event and then I replied to his uh, comment and said, I run the podcast off the chains. would love to have you on sometime. I've had, you know, Gavin on, I've had Ian Burchett on, I've had Scott Stokely on, which by the way, Scott Stokely tested positive for COVID-19 and Scott, we all love you, man. I hope you get better and we can't wait to see you back and healthy and a hundred percent and bombing that disc like you always do. Um, so, but anyway, he was, um, so I replied to him and just said, you know, I run a kind of cool that had the disc golf guy on too. And he responded back and said, just let me know when and where. So there's a good chance. I don't know when and I don't know where. But at some point in my life, I hope to Christ, at some point this year in the episode, on the podcast, I hope to have the disc golf guy, Terry Miller, on. So that would be pretty cool to have on uh, my show. So I thought it was already, I thought it was pretty already cool to have Scott Stokely on now to have Terry Miller on. That'd be absolutely amazing. Um, but we got a lot to talk about a little bit, so let's go ahead and jump right into it, shall we? And that is starting with uh, my tournament recap. I got two of this for you guys. Um, the first one is going to be my performance at the Walnut Open that took place on the 28th of, a- 28th of May, which was also my mother's birthday. And like I said, I went in last year. I scored absolutely well there. I shot 7-under for the whole tournament and took it down. So this was an event I really was looking forward to and being okay with. Or in being happy to play. Um, it was a shotgun start. We started on hole 8, which was the longest hole there at 6 at 58. Um, and right off the get-go on the very first hole, I took a double bogey. Um, I had a really good drive. Um, if anybody's familiar with the Walnut, Illinois course, um, there's hole 8, it's like the tee starts at the like center field of a baseball field, and you're going down straight shot. It's like it's really down there. It's just straight shot. You're playing a bunch of OB. And my drive... Um, landed all the way, like halfway to the basket uh, already off one shot on a par four right by the drop zone in case you went out of bounds on your tee, on your drive. Um, my second shot, I withdrew my meta, my Nate Perkins meta essence and grip locked it and managed to hit the tree and barely scoot out past the OB line and come back in. Um, so I was kind of pinched off a little bit for the third shot. Third shot, I put nothing on it, landed behind a dirt hill that was about 45 feet behind uh, to the basket. Uh, the par save, um, I hit the top of the band and fell right behind it about 15, about 10, 15 feet. And then on the bogey save, I completely whipped on the putt. So I started the very first hole with a double bogey, followed it up by another bogey on hole nine after going OB on the drive. So right off the bat, I was already three over at a course that I shot seven down at last year and was already feeling like I just couldn't do anything. Um, 10, I took a par. 11, I finally got my birdie back. So I was finally down uh, to two back to two over, which on 11, I almost aced it. I hit the basket. Um, I parred out 12 through 16, 17. I bogeyed 18. I parred 19. I bogeyed 19 B, which was another temple they added because it was 22 holes total. Um, I took a birdie on that one. It was just a big little hyzer hook shot that I threw my, um, my Eagle McMahon razor claw two tactic. And that hole 21, I took a bogey on, which shouldn't have been a bogey. It's had a really bad second shot. 
Uh, and then holes one through seven. Yeah, holes one through six more likely are the like the holes are like the gimme holes. So I need to definitely get those every time. Um, and I shot two under through those. So I ended up finishing three over for the first round, um, shooting a 72 and being 853 rated, which wasn't ideal because um, I'm 871 rated. And this is a course that I feel absolutely really well at. Um, round two started off a little better. I started on hole 13 for round two and through 13 through the first, uh, I parred out 13 through 16, followed up with a bogey on 17, parred on 18. Uh, bogeyed 19, followed up with a birdie on 19B, 20 I parred, 21 I bogeyed, and then 1 through 6 I ended up shooting even, which was I took a bogey on 5, which it shouldn't have been a bogey, it was just a really bad second shot again. Um, parred out 6 through 10, and then uh, birdied 11, and then parred 12. So second round ended up being 1 over and being 866 rated, which I event at shooting a 70. And ended up event averaging out at 860, which was 11 points above my uh, below my rating, um, and finished with a tie for 11th place. Which is really overall, like you know, I got a really good, you know, I finished strong. I had a really good fin. Uh, I, I got a payout. Um, I was super happy. Um, so you can't really, you know, get too upset about that. Sorry, I'm trying to. There we go. These order uh, the scores weren't in order. Um, I was just overall upset with how I played. Like I didn't really think I played that well. Um, I couldn't get anything going, and it sucked. Uh, but my buddy Grant Yurkovich, who him and I jokingly always talk crap to each other, who's going to beat who? Um, he went on a scorcher uh, the very first round. Let's actually go over what he did in the first round. At, after the round one, he was at ten under, which he took one bogey on seventeen. And then he had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 birdies, shooting a 10 under, and it was 979 rated. So this man went off for the first round. Um, and then second round, he said he really couldn't get anything going in the second round. He shot three over in the second round. He got took way too many bogeys that he shouldn't have taken. Um, putt didn't look feel there. And then he ended up taking, um, he ended up taking first place. Um, and they got really nice trophies, which... Uh, my buddy H.R. was giving me crap for this, and even Grant was joking with me too, but I was butthurt when, after they got their trophies, and it wasn't, and I take this because, and this is just me being a selfish little prick, but man, when I played this last year, I took it down, won by like nine strokes. We didn't get any trophies. We got these little like, you know, cardboard, or these little uh, wooden, uh, wood little keychains. They're like, probably like a photo, like wallet photo size, uh, you know, maybe a little bigger. And it just said, it was like a little keychain. It just said the walnut open on it, November 6, 2021. We never got a trophy or anything. We didn't get anything like that. So I had to write in Sharpie on there, first place winner, Emily Ford. So fast forward to this one, the second one. They have this one on. My buddy Grant takes it down, which I was super happy about um, seeing one of my buddies take it down. Um, he got this giant, huge trophy. And it just kind of, it kind of bummed me out a little bit because, like I said, it's just me being a selfish little prick. But... And just like, I wish I could have got that last year, you know? Or they were like, oh, like, hey, yeah, the ones that were anybody that won last year or anybody that performed last year and took a uh, trophy, we're going to make you guys one too just because you didn't get one last year or something like that, you know? And so that, that was the only thing I was really bummed out about. I was like, I didn't get something like that last year, and it sucked because the trophy they got was absolutely incredible. Um, it was like a little piece of a stump, and it was like, 
They're like the half the size of my freaking air fryer. My air fryer is a pretty good size. So, but super overall happy with how you took it down. And also, cool shout out to my good buddy Alex Ator, PGA 62332, for taking home the sixth place finish and shooting a two under for their tournament. Um, he was on, he was three behind Grant at one point, and I was really rooting for, I mean, I wanted to see either or take it down, but I was really rooting for Ator. Um, I really want to see him get a win. Um, but, Overall, like I said, didn't feel comfortable with how I played. Didn't like how I played, but you know what? I can't complain at the end of the day because I still got a top. Uh, I guess I not a top ten. I still got eleventh. Still got to pay out a decent amount. I got thirty five bucks in funny money, and um, drives felt okay. There was just a couple that got away from me. Um, upshots were upshots felt a lot better than they did the last tournament I played, and then putting putting was on. Putting felt really good yesterday, or no putting putting did not feel that great. Um, that was the event I played after that, but just, I just didn't like how I performed and I wish I would have, um, played a lot better, but that's this for another day. So as we were getting, taking the drive back, my buddy Ator and I were talking and we were just saying like, oh, like, how is this going? Rating going to go, you know, cause are the next rating going to come out? How am I, much am I going to go up? Am I going to say the same? Am I going to go down? Cause I played the workforce flex that I did 953 at. And then I did the tournament at Workforce that I shot overall 874. And then this one was 860 rated. So I'm like, he said, you might go up a couple points, but that's it. That's about it. So I just didn't really feel like, I didn't feel like I accomplished anything off that tournament. So um, the following day, uh, my buddy uh, who runs Delwood, Sean Callahan, posted out that they were doing a Memorial Day flex at Trinity Links in Lockport, Illinois. The same course that I played the Workforce Brewing Open at. And, uh, it was running from 10 to 5, which would go figure, of course, that the one time that I get scheduled at work till 5 is when this is, thing is going to go on. So I really didn't think I was going to get uh, be able to play it. Uh, we got super slammed at work because I work at the Culver's and Morris, and uh, we started getting really slow around 2-ish, 2.30. <clears throat> so around 3.45, my boss just said, hey, is any, do you want to go home early? Um, labor's not high, uh, bad or anything but i got more people in so i'd rather get people out before it starts going up and we have to kick people out and we get screwed uh so i got to leave at 345 i rush i'm like oh my god i can go do that i didn't bring anything with me i had to rush home change uh grab my bag grab my putter make sure i had everything um and then run out to trinity and get there in time i got there at 445 so i was able to clock in still or sign up and register um and Winds were like between 15 and 20 miles an hour, and I was like terrified I wasn't going to play well. But let me just say, I played by far one of my best rounds I've ever played. This is the second highest rated round I've ever had. Um, it was, I, th- I really thought it was going to go like my first round at uh, Workforce when I went uh, par on everything except 14. I took a bogey on. But this one, it was I parred, I parred out 1 through 15. Took a birdie on 16, which was a really good birdie to get. And then um, I was about 20 feet out and just got to go over the brim and saved it. Um, took a par on 17 after I, after my drive. I thought I did after I took uh, after on my drive on 17. I thought it was a good drive, but it didn't get through as much as I would have liked it to. And um, second shot, it looked like it was going it was going to go past the basket and into the water. At the last second, I nicked the corner of a branch and it just shot me straight down about 10 feet from the basket and I tapped out and saved the par so as I go up to 18 I'm taking I'm going up to my shot or as we're walking up to the tee I'm just curious I'm you know I'm the one keeping score I'm just curious 
Um, no, I wasn't keeping score of this one. Sorry. Um, I kept scoring the last one. Um, this one, I just was curious. I asked the guy who was keeping score on our card. That, uh, where was I sitting at? He said, you are tied for first right now at one under. I said, that's the, that, you know, that's, that's shocking how that's the high score, but you know, the wind being what it was, it was, it wasn't surprising. So I just knew I had at least par to get to tie for first. So I at least would still say on the PDGA that it was a career win. So I took my Culver Opto X. I lined up my shot, just aimed it a little more out to the right. Because it would start straight, like a straight shot, and then it would hard, uh, fade out really hard. It was my more overstable Colburn than my more controlled regular uh, Colburn. And so I just threw it out a little more wide. Um, it didn't feel great out of the hand, but I got the really weirdest, greatest wind read. And it ended up making, because I, I, I thought I turned this over. And the wind kind of just straightened it out, ended up going around the sh- spot I aimed for, ended up curling out, and I landed about... I want to say 55, 60 feet away from the basket. Um, so I just knew I needed to just lay up. But I was at an angle where it was like testing me. I was like, should I really at least try and make like a half run at this? So I said, worst comes to worst, if I at least go for a half run, not a full run, I'll come up short. I'll be able to go right in front of the basket or I'll go right behind the basket, be able to tap out the par and take the tie for first win. And I just threw a little, I threw my tactic on a little hyzer shot. And I just threw it on a little uh, on a little ante just to get it back so it would come and fade back, at least to get it there. I did like a little half run on it, <clears throat> and I missed the basket. Oh, no, I was about to make it in. Um, I was about to miss the basket at the last second. The wind lifted me up about half a foot or about a half a foot, a foot or so, and I just grazed over the brim of the basket. Hits the chains, like it hit the middle of the chains, pushes out, teeter-totters for about like three or four times back and forth, like boom, 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 slides in. And I ended up taking a birdie on hole 18, taking a two under final score and winning first place by one on the Memorial Day flex, shooting a 53 on a 55 uh, out of 55 par on a par 55. I shot a 53 and my round rating was nine, seven, 945, which is 74 points above my rating. And now that is actually the last event I will be saying I'm playing sanctioned before the next rating system comes out. So I hope to God that that will get me up. Maybe that'll get me up to 880 something. Hopefully it'll get me up maybe even closer to 890. Cause the goal this year is to get up to 900, get to MA2. That is the goal. I'm probably going to take a couple, you know, obviously every good player is going to have a couple of bad tournaments and I'm sure my rating is going to go down at some point, but I've only gone down once in the last year and a half and it's feeling incredible. I feel like I'm getting stronger every tournament I play. My upshots were feeling really good that weekend, especially with my tactic. I just felt like I was on with the tactic on, at that tournament or at that flex. Um, putting was really on. Even the sniper, even there was like I had like four or five like forty foot par saves that I had to drain. Um, I had a birdie look about sixty feet out on hole twelve, and as I'm getting ready to shoot, there's a guy on our card looking for his disc. I said, "I'm going to go real quick, so just look for your disc, but keep quiet." And he said, "All right, sounds good." As I got halfway through my swing and right before I released it, he's in behind us goes, oh, there's my disc. Or he said, oh, I think I found it or whatever he said. Scares the living crap out of me. And I just and I missed the birdie putt hit the back hit the basket. I literally turned to him and said, dude, that was like the third time I've said something about you need to be you need to not talk. And I don't and I'm not I don't like being that player. I'm not I'm not trying to be that guy that wants to call anybody out on anything because I'm playing MA4 or MA3. I'm just here to have fun. I don't care playing to win obviously but 
Um, I don't take, I'm not like going to be like, oh, like, oh, I'm giving you a stroke because you talked. Like, I'm not at that point yet. But I did tell this guy about two or three times. And finally, at the, like the third time when he did that and I missed my birdie look, I just turned at him and I said, dude, you need a proper etiquette to keep, at least keep it down when someone's trying to shoot a shot. I literally was halfway through my shot and you went, oh, I think I found it or whatever he said. And he felt like really bad. And then the very next hole I ended up parring on, I ended up parring the next five holes and then our next three holes. And then finally got my birdie on 16 and birdie on 18. So I still won, but like I would have known, I would have got over that 950 rated and it would have been my highest ever rated round in my life. Cause I knew it would have been over 953 or right at it for that to happen like that. Uh, it was really, it sucked, but I just told him straight up if, no matter if it's me or if it's the next person on our card, if he does it to anybody, I'm going to call him on it. And I don't want to be that person, but um, I have to be at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, if you're going to keep talking, you're going to screw somebody up. What if they're like, you know, like I was that close. What if I really screwed up and I took like a double bogey or a triple bogey on it or something? I would have been really PO'd. So I always, I always try to tell people that all the time. It's just proper etiquette to have when people are playing or trying to shoot. Just keep it down a little bit. So. But what felt different between the Memorial Day flex and the Walnut was um, upshots felt good. Putting felt a lot better than they did at the Walnut. Um, I just felt like I couldn't get anything going after the drives on my at the Walnut. I felt like I had a couple really good drives and just couldn't get anything going, and it sucked. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, um, I played how I wanted to play. Um, at the Memorial Day Flex, I took it down, and now out of 35 career events, I have officially four career wins on the PDGA, with two of them being an MA4 and now two being an MA3. Even if they're flexes, I don't care. A win is still a win. So. All right, well, that, that about does it for me talking about my recap. And so uh, my next tournament is not until June 19th at the iOS 112 at Cinesippi at the Mississippi Open. And I also found out that Gavin Rathbone is going to be playing that. So I can't wait to, hopefully I can run into him and talk to him a little bit. So that'd be fun. Um, but while, and he actually, they're actually doing the iOS 100 right now over in Anna Page Park in Rockford, Illinois. It's like a four round eight here. It's, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't afford it. I was planning on doing it, but at the last second, I'm like, yeah, I ain't going to do that. So didn't have the time, didn't have the money. While they're out there doing that, I guess we can preview the um, the Portland Open that's already happening right now. As the women are about to start, are going into the final round already, and the men are going to tee off in around three in the next hour or so. But um, I give you guys a little. Like I said, I was a little behind with uh, just not having the motivation to do anything and get out. But um, the Port- we're going back to Portland for the next stop on the Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Series um, schedule. And if anybody remembers the Portland Open from last year, I'm going to say in my 13 years of playing disc golf, my couple of years of playing profe- uh, professionally, a couple of years of playing competitively, excuse me, and then a couple, the four, about the handful of years of watching the pros play, I can honestly say that last year's uh, end of Portland, the end of Portland Open for the MPO was probably the grossest thing, um, probably the most sick to my stomach I've ever felt in my life. Um, Kevin Jones was going into it, going into whole, th- uh, was looking good. They were only a couple holes out of finishing up. Um, everything was looking good. And then 
the worst possible thing could have happened. As Kevin Jones was was going in was going into the last few holes with a two stroke lead. Unfortunately, hole fifteen came about, and that was the worst thing in the world. Hole fifteen ended up being the worst moment in that entire weekend of Kevin Jones's disc golf life. I've seen a lot of things happen, but this was probably the most unfortunate. Because and I'll I let you guys with listen Connor to O'Reilly. He made the birdie. I told him immediately, congratulations on your jump at shout-out. The guy had 380 into the green. He might not have rolled at 730 feet like Eagle did, but he boomed a roller and absolutely parked it. And so, Connor, well done. And he got up and down like he was supposed to, which yeah, is the important it. thing. He parked it. Perfect shot. Hole 15, par 3. This is the toughest hole we have left. So much mm. potential for out-of-bounds. Yeah, maybe the da- most dangerous because this tee shot could just be a nightmare. Well, was it was more than deal? maybe. I mean, this this is just a. Was it a was yeah. it a straight headwind? It was definitely blowing headwind, right to left. Lay up to the right or to the left. That's the smart play. Two shots. The play was no need to attack any of that danger. This is going to be out of bounds. Unless it's so bad that it actually hyzers back left safe. No. There's so much out of bounds over there on that long left side. It's a nice design in that way. Yeah. Like if you do bail, start bailing left, it's just more and more OB waiting for you over there. We've seen Eagle get there with this wide forehand. Is he going to be able to do it with today's wind? Could really put some pressure. Hardest on hole, the park job. Hardest hole in the day. Sorry, I need to cut you off. But hardest hole in the day, three eight one average. That is harder than we've seen any other hole play all week, including hole one. Eagle just barely crossing over that line there. Wow. Well, what about Kevin just kind of staying in his own lane? Absolutely. Laying up to the left? I mean, Beautiful that's play. a really tough play to make in that situation, especially with the guys chasing him that are chasing him. You know what I'm saying? And, and to be able to lay up and just say, you know what? Par is good for me. I think it's a great play. Kevin going across here. Just needs to get down. Going. That's the right miss. He's, he's a little bit long, obviously, but has to make sure to clear that tall grass. Oh, man, the wind really picking up. Simon now for bogey, and look at that, just electing to take the five here, and that's pretty smart there. Anything can happen, obviously, with that mound in the wind. Well, no harm, no foul. Just yeah. at least it stayed in bounds. You can yeah. easily hit and roll OB or, or something like that. So This for bogey. Oh, no, 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 no. No. Oh. He hit the wow. chains and no, he just went out and no, rolled all the way out no. of bounds on his bogey shot. That's disgusting. How on earth can you even breathe after something like that happens? 
playing it safe. And now this putt is for a six. Wow, and I, oh my gosh. I avoided all spoilers. I didn't, I don't know, I did not know that was coming. That was the slowest roll. Terrible luck. Well, it was really actually not a bad putt. Caught a lot of chains on the left side. The wind just pushes it out, lands on the worst angle ever, and then just slow rolls its way, and he's still got a little left. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. So it ends up a seven. And that's it. Playing it safe. I mean, that's there's not enough holes left for him to come back from a mistake like that. That's the right play. In that situation, you're taking a, a double bogey out of play by playing it safe. He just There's no way you lay up that putt for par from inside the circle. There's no way you lay up that next putt from inside the circle. It's just, no, absolutely catastrophe. Well, that and takes it, him to what, minus 18? Yeah. He's two back. Oh, he's that's not, that, yeah. He's not, okay. He's absolutely not, not seven, it, seven sounds way worse, but I guess he had a two-shot lead. Yeah. But, okay. but he, you're saying he's not out of it, but at the same time, he's got to have the shortest memory in the history of disc golf because something like that happens. How can you have the courage to attack holes and pretend like that didn't just happen? Yeah, I'm going to end it right there. So, yeah, just off one hole, after one hole, Kevin Jones went from having a two-shot lead over Eagle McMahon at 22 over, twenty-two under to, lo- to being trailing under him and Ricky by two off one hole. I honestly said that when he rolled that like that, that was probably the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Actually, probably not the most in my life, but as far as being a disc golf fan and just being watching disc golf in general, um, yeah, that definitely is up there for friggin' sure. Um, but that was last year. Now we're at this year's event. And to talk a little bit, I'm going to have you guys listen to a couple people that talked at the press conference. Um, if you guys want to watch the whole thing, I encourage you to go do that on the Disc Golf Pro Tour YouTube channel. But I do have a couple fans that reach out to me a lot and say they don't watch like the Nick and Matt show. They don't watch the Disc Golf Network. So they always want to hear from some of the pros. So I pick the best interviews that I can and then have you guys just listen to them. So like I said, if you guys want to watch the whole thing, I encourage you to go over to the Disc Golf Pro Tour's YouTube channel and watch it, the whole thing there. But we're going to start with Jeff Brickin' Spring. Sorry, I got an ad real quick. Give me one second. And here's Jeff Spring. Hello, we are here at the Portland Open with Jeff Spring starting off our 2022 press conference. Jeff, how does it feel to be back in Portland, Oregon? It feels wonderful. This is one of my favorite corners of the world, the Pacific Northwest. Reminds me of home um, from Vermont. So the Green Mountains, I'm always missing them. And uh, it's it's great to be up here where there's mountains, big forests, a lot to do outside. And, of course, some of the best disc golf in the world. And we know that the tour actually owns the Portland Open. How does that differ from other events on the Elite Series Tour? Yeah, we we do own and operate it. You know, I actually founded the Portland Open in 2019 um, with the Portland Open team. You're a part of it, Zoe, Dustin, Nate, Val, uh, down with Bevel, and, of course, great history, uh, world champions in disc golf. Um, 
but yeah, the, the, the disc golf pro tour back in 2019 didn't have an event, um, in Portland and the connectivity that we saw between, you know, the relationships, uh, and the amazing golf and, and the volume of players in the area kind of turned into, um, uh, a beautiful thing, uh, when we founded it in 2019 and when I became CEO, uh, and director of the tour, uh, later that year, um, part of that was to transfer, um, some of the events like the Green Mountain Championship and the Portland Open that I had founded, um, over to the tour. And so we could run them, um, as one unit. And, uh, that, that differs because normally we work with, uh, local organizing committees or businesses that own events, um, themselves or that historically founded events. And, um, it's, it's not that different. Uh, Stumptown Disc Golf, um, is here working really hard, 140 volunteers for this event. So, um, they're a stakeholder in the event. We're delivering, I think 36 baskets for their club through, uh, through this event, and um, they've turned out in force to really support it. Um, so it is a little bit different um, in that we have our, our hands around it and our fingerprints all over it, and uh, we put a little bit more tour resources into it. Well, thank you for that description. Um, we know that last year we were on, I believe it was the west side. This year we are on the east side. Can you reflect a little bit on ticket sales you know, from last year versus this year and just kind of the watching live, the VIP experience? Yeah, yeah I mean, last year versus this year is 100% different almost. Uh, we're on the same property, but we're we're not using any of what we used last year. There are two 18-hole golf courses here, the west side and the east side, as you mentioned. But last year, we weren't planning on being here until six weeks before the event. We had Blue Lake Park reserved in uh, 2019. We did three rounds there. Um, we planned to do three rounds there in 2020, but we weren't, we weren't able to because of the pandemic. That actually carried over into 2021 and they still weren't accepting reservations last year and we got six weeks out and we said okay we have to find a new venue or cancel about 12 weeks out we had actually found this venue just in case they weren't able to honor our reservation at blue lake so um there we were we pulled the trigger at six weeks um and i called uh you know, Dustin, one of our core event team here. And, and he was in the area for a short time. And we got to tell that story last year where we just had like a, a weekend or two to really put in a design on the West side. Um, the east side wasn't available on that short notice because this is kind of the premier side of the property. It's got a lot more elevation, huge wooded uh, Douglas firs. Um, it's a really special property, and I won't even try to describe it. Um, so, you know, I think that the fan experience and the ticket sales are going to be totally different. Uh, last year, we were limited to 250 tickets a day. This year, we have over 2,000 tickets sold both days out here. Um, so it's um, totally different in, in the state we have, you know, society in for the pandemic, but also the property that the golf's going to be played on. Wow, thank you, Jeff. Um, and here is Grant from the PDGA. Hey, Jeff, uh, not counting the match play championship or the tour championship at season's end, this is event number seven out of 14, mm -hmm. we'll call them regular season events. So at this unofficial halfway point, what are the highlights of the season for you? Yeah, so so far, uh, so good. We've, we've had a great start to the season. Um, 
yeah, we do have two playoff events, I'll remind you, now that we've started the Disc Golf Pro Tour playoffs, GMC MVP. Um, but this is very much the kind of like the halfway point, the, the turn of the season, I think, when we start heading back from the West Coast, things turn. Um, man, it seems like a blur. It feels like we just got out to Vegas. Um, you know, the world's preview at DDO stands out, the Champions Cup, the new major. I know that that's not a Disc Golf Pro Tour event, um, but we're integrating or integral to the to the event, being there for media, being there for operational support, and that was that was really special to be back at WR Jackson, um, and you know Texas Swing. Um, I think what stands out generally about Texas Swing, and then even following us from there is tornadoes. We've had like tornado warnings at over half the events, and really high winds and really interesting weather. Um, so there's been a lot of fun highlights, but um, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind so far. Where are we seeing some of the new focal points and improvements on the tour? Are they things that the fans are seeing through the lens or here on the property? Are they are they things that the players really are the only ones that are seeing? What, what can you shine a light on for us? Yeah, we, we push forward and improve all facets of the tour and our events um, in baby steps every year. You know, we want to have sustainable growth. So, you know, we introduced a tour card and tour card amenities. I think the players are starting to feel that, you know, their experience on site is more professional. Um, the media is growing. We have a bigger team with the Disc Golf Network and the Disc Golf Pro Tour, but our media partners are doing better and more amazing things every week. Um, and certainly the spectator experience, we've got a a ticketing team, customer service team that's able to respond, um, help uh, spectators understand their experience, and then to deliver when they get on site uh, with more food and beverage, uh, more festivities around the event. We have a live music here. We had live music at OTB uh, last week um, and really draw in the community. Um, and then lastly, just giving back to the community, our partnership with Uplay, uh, Disc Golf, and Community Connect is one of the strengths that we bring when we come to any community like we're teaching hundreds of kids how to play disc golf at every at every single stop so little steps forward across all facets every year continual improvement is is one of our core values of the tour great thank you jeff hello jeff hello brian a couple questions for you yeah first off we're planning on uh playing on a golf course again i played at otb last week at swenson park another golf course let us in a bit on the business side of selling disc golf to a golf course yeah that's a very interesting question um there are several relationships between golf courses that the disc golf pro tour or one of the local organizing committees have had um and it really depends on the course i think what we found heading into the pandemic is that golf courses, certain ones were slowing down and they were looking for more business. So when we approached them about renting um, the facility for a week, there was availability and there was, you know, kind of pricing that was available for us to get to. Um, as the pandemic kind of kicked golf into overdrive, you found some spots that weren't even willing, like you could pay them whatever and they're book solid. They're getting high high greens fees um so it really depends on the type of course what we found um here at glendevere is a really special relationship um glendevere is run by a management company that that manages over 30 golf courses in the west and um and kevin uh Neisner, who's the general manager here um 
has an experience of running Nike Cross Nationals, one of the biggest cross-country races, uh, definitely the biggest high school cross-country race um, in the world, I think. And they've had 5,000 spectators out here. The property is actually owned by Metro Park, um, which is owned by you know, basically the government, um, in the area. And, uh, they're really open to finding, you know, new ways to use the property and they have experience hosting large events. So not only, you know, do they welcome us, uh, they help, they're helpful. Um, they're enthusiastic and they're really excited. Um, you know, I think usually the pricing, you know, that we see here, it's, it's high, you know, the, the course and the property incredible, um, but it can vary. It's usually how much revenue is a golf course going to bring in, um, for a certain day. And then usually it's, that's pretty much it or, and they can reduce costs or they're going to upcharge you five, 10%. Um, but anybody out there looking to use, um, traditional golf facilities, I think it's, it's a good idea if you have the right blend of terrain. You know, I, I, I really think that, um, golf courses in general and, and they're used in the sport they definitely have a bad rap in some people's eyes mm-hmm. and um i can see why I, I think that that said you know an open field whether it's not a golf course mm-hmm. is going to produce the same type of shots you know so whether it's a golf course or not it's about the terrain it's about what you do with it it's about mm-hmm. course design more than the specific property um I would always encourage folks, uh, you know, start with conversations with the management of golf courses and, and, and go from there. But there's just such a vast array um, of like maybe availability and pricing there. Um, we found something really, really special here, and we hope to continue this for years. All right. So that was Jeff Spring talking a little bit about the Portland Open and how he came up with the idea of having this event in 2019. And to be honest, I actually love watching the Portland Open. I just love seeing the course. I love watching Blue Lake. I think the courses in Oregon are absolutely amazing looking and beautiful. And I feel like they come out here and perform a lot really well here, too. Um, So it's a cool thing to see. And the next one to talk is is the 2021 uh, Portland Open champion for FPO, Miss Paige Pierce. We are back here with Paige Pierce a couple of weekends ago winning the OTB Open and the defending champion of the Portland Open last year. Paige, how does it feel coming into the second annual Portland Open here at Glendevere? Yeah, it feels great. I mean, Portland's one of my favorite cities in the United States, so it's always awesome to be back. I mean, look at this backdrop behind us. It's just luscious green grass and these giant, giant trees. So it really shows you the flight of the disc when the trees are just towering over these giant Anheuser. So it's a special place to play disc golf and a special place just to be in general. So I'm very excited. And the other course for this weekend's event is at Blue Lake Park. You've played a couple of majors, possibly even an NT there. Can you give us a little bit of reflection on how you feel about Blue Lake Park? Yeah, Blue Lake is is a great park. I think, you know, you've seen some playoffs there in the past. You've seen uh, a lot of close battles. Um, Katrina's first world title was there. The Paul and Ricky battle, um, you know, Eagle and Drew and Nate Perkins battled it out last year or what maybe two years ago maybe so anyway there's been lots of awesome battles so it's been a a prestigious course or just like a historic course in disc golf so I'm excited to get back out there and you know try to put my name in disc golf history on on a course that already has so much history and uh, just really quick one more thing we heard that you had a birthday yesterday 
Can you tell us a little bit about how the champ celebrates a birthday? I did have a birthday yesterday. It's my golden birthday, 31 years old now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we had a great day. I was actually home in Florida. I had some flight troubles, so I ended up rerouting myself back to Florida. Um, and yeah, I had a great day. I just rolled in today. So I actually have to admit, I thought the tournament started tomorrow. So rookie mistake. Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, either way, I'm very excited that I got to spend my birthday at home and, uh, we had a nice sunrise at the beach at the dog beach with our puppies and just a relaxing day before I get back into the tournament swing of things. I have so many tournaments coming up. I think I just heard you talk to Jeff spring and he said it was ha halfway through the year is this event. So, um, you know, knowing the second half of the tour is really where it kicks up and all, you know, three out of our four majors are in the final half of the year and uh lots of our playoff events so uh yeah i had a great birthday sorry i got off track i'm 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 off birthday mode now and i'm back to disc golf mode i keep staring back behind me and i i gotta get through this press conference so i can go through <laughs> hey Paige, grants owner pdga a couple of weeks ago you were really pushed at otb uh, an event that came down to the last couple of holes that has to take a lot out of the tank both mentally and physically now this week four rounds for uh walks on very long courses so how did you recharge during your week off yeah i mean i think i kind of just talked about that a little bit i got to go home and just have some relaxing time um it's nice to go home because you you stop being Paige Pierce for a little bit. You're just like living, living life, you know, doing dishes and taking the trash out. Oh, today's trash day. I got to text Alyssa, but, um, uh, you know, things like that. Like I literally go to my kitchen and I turn on the faucet and water comes out. Like that is things that we take for granted. Like, have you even thought about that at home? Have you thought about how magical that is that you just have ever flowing water as long as you pay your bill? Um, because in, in van life, you don't have that. So it's nice to take a step off of the tour for, you know, these, you know, four days at a time, five days at a time, and to just have that balance of the work-life balance. It's been so something I didn't know I needed. Um, and it's, it's, I just feel so refreshed and like eager. I think that's the best part about it is I I'm sitting here, like shaking my foot, like itching to go throw this. So that I think of, of everything. Uh, I think that's the best thing that has come from it. As far as my career goes is just how eager it's making me. Did you touch a disc at all during the course of the last oh, yeah. two weeks? Oh yeah. Did definitely. you feel the need to work on any part of your game during your off time? Um, you know, I feel it strongly every week now because of the ever rising co competition. I mean, uh, like you said, I got pushed very hard at OTV open and, um, you know, especially when I wasn't even playing bad, you know, I was taking pars. I took a, a, uh, I did take a bogey on hole 11, but after that I didn't take another bogey. So, um, you know, to have my closest competitor in Natalie Ryan chase me down, uh, on a birdie streak, that's, that goes to show you like, Hey, you got to put some time in. And so, yeah, I mean, also with that in mind, it's just like, I, I want to keep living those battles. I want to keep giving the fans of disc golf these epic battles that go down in history, like the Paul Ricky battle. And, um, yeah, so definitely I, I had a lot of practice putting sessions in my backyard, which is my favorite place to, to putt because, again, you don't have to be Paige Pierce. You don't have to go find a course that's less populated and find a basket where nobody's at. You can just go in your backyard and, and putt and nobody's calling your name or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I have a great time at home practicing. That's probably my favorite place that I've ever, ever practiced. So, yeah. So half of this event at Blue Lake, which you know, 
the other two rounds here at Glendivere you haven't seen yet. You're getting ready to go out and see it for the first time. With limited prep time, what will you focus on as you make mental notes for later on in the week? Um, well, when I found out that the tournament started tomorrow, um, I knew that I would just have this one afternoon to prep before the tournament started. And the first two rounds being at Blue Lake, I'm going to head straight from here to Blue Lake. I'll have like seven hours before the sun goes down. So um, play one full round. If I need to go see any other holes, I'll go back to them and just get one more rep in on those holes. And then I'm not going to actually play Glendivere until after my first round because the courses are available to be practiced um, both tomorrow and Friday um, since we don't come over here till Saturday. That gives me two days of practice. It's just going to test my endurance. Um, and even though I'm 31 now, I feel very um, athletic. I feel, I, I you know, yeah, now you get a little bit of back pain if you sleep on the floor or an air mattress. But, you know, I feel like my body's in tip-top condition. And I've been in a – I've been in a – I guess good fortune over my career. I haven't had any injury that has put me out of a tournament. So, um, you know, just, uh, just trusting my body and knowing that, Hey, I can make it through two rounds back when I first started touring, we used to play two rounds in a day, every day at worlds, we used to play seven to eight rounds. So I can do it. Um, it's just going to be something where I need to take out a notebook because when you're practicing 36 holes at one time, they can blend together. So, uh, I think it's just going to be a matter of being really, really intentional and deliberate with my practice good stuff thank you Paige. all right so that was Paige fierce talking a little bit about that and the fact that she still says she has to work on her game as much as being it being a five-time champ is absolutely amazing so that just comes to show that no matter how good a sport you get you're always going to have come you're always going to have setbacks you're always going to feel like you need to work on something and it's and it's never going to be perfect you just gotta you just gotta do the best you can that's all you can ask for um, and that's, and it's great to see, um, oh, what did I do? It's great to see that the five-time world champ is, um, is doing that, is doing the, just that. So, um, th that's pretty much why her, the mental game of hers is so strong. The physical game of hers is so strong. And that's why she is considered one of my favorite players. Um, so, and I wish nothing but the best for the rest of this tournament for the five-time world champ. And sorry. And speaking of five-time world champs, here is Juliana Corver. Juliana Corver, five-time world champion and multiple world titles in frisbee sports. Juliana, you're back on full-time tour. Yes, I am. How uh, how are you feeling about that? I feel great, and I feel very blessed um, with the scare, the health scare that Jim had this off season that we can both be here. Amazing. And last, uh, excuse me, two weekends ago at OTB, so far on the, uh, this year's tour, the longest throwing course, and you're not known as one of the farthest throwing players. However, we saw some amazing distance shots, but really great course control. Placing third, Elite Series event, how does that prepare you? And what does that do for you internally to go into the next competition? Well, uh, I thought that the distance might come up from two weeks, two weekends ago, and I, oh, I want to plead my case a little bit here. I, I think perhaps the fact that I throw very, very low, my shots don't look that impressive, but I don't feel like I'm giving up distance to the average of the field at all. In fact, I would put myself slightly above the average of the field. I'm not, not the farthest thrower. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm 
definitely not on the low side of distance. So I don't think that a long course is a disadvantage for me. Thank you for shedding some light onto that, especially for all the females out there of all ages watching, being young, being in a protected age division. I think that's pretty motivating. So how did that inspire you for this weekend? <laughs> well, to be honest, um, the better I do in the beginning of a long stretch, actually, perhaps the more nervous I get because it perhaps makes me think I can reproduce it I can it makes my expectations go up a little bit and that can be dangerous so you know I I want to do the best that I can and I was ecstatic ecstatic with my finish two weeks ago but I actually wasn't thrilled with my play I could have done better so um I, I'm I'm relieved that I feel like I can still play with the division. Sitting at home for months, watching everybody play, it felt like the division was just escalating and getting farther and farther away from my current abilities. And so I was really scared to come back out. And um, I didn't know if I'd, I'd end up at the bottom of the pack or not. And so uh, I taking a third place podium finish um, just kind of makes me breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, you've proven that you deserve to be here and, and you can be here. Now, hopefully get all those expectations out of your head and just go have fun. Wow. I know I got the goosebumps there and very motivated. Thanks for sharing that, especially about your feelings at home. And then just one last question for me, kind of going back to that, you had mentioned Jim had a little bit of a health scare, a uh, pretty big, severe health scare that you guys have come through together. He's here with you on tour. How does it feel having him on the bag? I, I feel very, very blessed. I am so happy to have him with us and in more ways than one. Gosh. Um, and uh, sing his praises a little bit. He played his first tournament back after quadruple bypass surgery, and he won at SeaTech last weekend. Hey, Juliana Grant Selner, PDGA. You are obviously a multi-time world champion, now playing against a completely different field of women. Can you talk about the role that experience plays week in and week out for you, since that's clearly an advantage that you have? Maybe, but my experience is outdated. The girls, the 18 to 23-year-old girls out here that have been on the tour for a couple of years have far more experience in today's disc golf than I do. So I, I guess I have life experience, <laughs> though I've always sort of been on the naive end of things, so maybe I don't even qualify there. I, you know, I, I've played plenty of tournaments, so I, I have a peace of mind during tournament play, but I still feel like a newbie out here to the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Hello, Juliana. Hi. One last question for you. I'm going to throw you a change up here. Uh, overheard that you participated in the Polecat World Championships out in Golden Gate Park in California. Polecat's been around for quite some time. You did not throw the updated version of the Polecat. You threw an older Polecat. Talk to us about the disc 
and talk to us about your experience playing that tournament. I love one disc rounds. I love when you are forced to make the disc do whatever is necessary. And I just think that is so much fun. And then it really teaches you angles and height and all of that kind of thing. Uh, so yes, I used a DX Polecat that uh, was given to me last year by Jason Steffen, who got me in the sport decades ago. And at the Des Moines Challenge, he um, put it in my hand and he said, you really need to be throwing this for up shots. It's a great disc for you. And, you know, with all my experience in the overall world, I've thrown Zephyrs for accuracy and it's got a similar profile and it, it just does what you ask it to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Halo version of the Polecat is also great, but I was more comfortable with the DX and I spent some time in the field and I liked the DX better. And I was the only one on, on the feature card that I was on throwing DX. Everybody else had, had Halo and it is, was, it was fun. I can't wait to do it again. Is it going to be in the bag this week? <laughs> I have been carrying it in the bag during, during practice. Um, I, I, maybe. Thank you very much. Good luck this week. Thank you. All right, so I was hearing a little bit from Juliana Corver uh, be off for that long after Jim had that health scare. And then to also see um, her make her, her first tournament like back officially back on the Disc Golf Pro Tour and taking home a third-place finish on the OT, at the OTB Open um, is truly remarkable and pretty cool to hear. So, All right, um, we're going to go ahead and continue going on with more interviews from the Portland Open Press Conference that took place a few days back. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, looking for some awesome 3D printing work? Or maybe a cool disc golf mini for your disc golf season, or maybe even some disc golf hangers for your discs? Well, look no further than Dirty Birdie Prints. This is a 3D printing company on Etsy, ran by my good buddy, Mr. Michael Sarah. Check him on out. He'll do anything you want 3D printed needs. His biggest seller right now is these pretty cool looking wolf masks. Check him out. Um, he will even do uh, disc golf minis for you. Any kind of design you want, whether it be a disc golf related, whether it be any other sport related, he will do the design you want. He'll even write any messages you want on them. Please go ahead and check him out and also get some of those cool disc golf hanger, uh, disc hangers he has to hang up your disc that you have signed by all the pros out there. Check him out. He does absolutely amazing work. And as a special add-on bonus, for anybody that uses promo code in all caps, OTC15 will receive 15% off their very first purchase. So please go ahead and check over D-I-R-T-I-E-B-I-R-D-I-E-P-R-I-N-T-S. And again, that's Dirty Birdie Prints, and it's over on Etsy.com. So go ahead and check them out if you haven't yet. And we're back. And to hear more from the press conference of this year's Portland Open that was taking place a couple days back, here is more from five-time world champ, Mr. Paul Macbeth. We are back here with five-time world champion, Mr. Paul Macbeth. How are you doing today, Paul? Not too bad. Enjoying the sun out here right now. Five world titles, 
and it wasn't that many years ago where one of them happened right here at Blue Lake Course in Portland, Oregon. How does it feel to return knowing that we have Blue Lake for two rounds and Glendivere for two rounds? Um, so Blue Lake was surprisingly a little bit tougher than I remember. Um, so it was, it was good to get out there and throw some shots. And, and I remember all the holes. I just didn't remember the order of it. So it was kind of like a unique surprise every time I, I finished a hole and walked to the next one. I'm like, oh, wait, this is when this hole was? So uh, that was pretty cool to, to get back out there and play. Uh, but yeah, I really, enjoy, I really enjoy that course. Um, very minimal adjustments, I think, to make it, you know, like a top five course in the world, to be honest. And have you had a chance to play the new course here at Glendivere? Yes. Yeah. So today I got my second round in long, but not as long as last year. Uh, definitely took some length. Uh, and I feel like we're off the fairways a lot more this year, a little bit more in, in the big, I don't know what kind of trees they, these are, but they're huge. Uh, so we're, we're utilizing those. And, uh, I feel like there's a lot more downhill shots, which in my opinion are more fun to throw. Uh, you can see that this really flying so you can control it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying those kind of shots for sure. And we heard from uh, both Jeff and Dustin in the design aspect, the goal of players being able to throw more gaps, more shots, more tools in the bag. Would you agree with that for this new design? Yeah, it is a lot more. Uh, the woods, I feel like, are a lot more utilized here. Uh, and we're, we're kind of going with the trees instead of, I feel like, last year we were throwing, like, across the fairways um and we we're just going through like a group of trees fairway group of trees fairway to where now we're kind of playing on the side of the fairways but using the trees that they have um that kind of separate the golf holes so it uh, seems like we're using those a lot more and and it's demanding uh more more shapes off the tee for sure all right paul and just one more question before i pass it off here at this point in the season we are absolutely halfway through can you give us a little bit of what's what's on Paul Macbeth's goal sheet or how do you how do you see yourself this season finishing what do you want it what do you want out of this season yeah I mean like you said we're, we're almost halfway through the season um and I've had two tournaments that I definitely do not want to have again later in the year uh but some other ones that were you know top five top ten finishes but I, I want I want some more wins I want to be competing I don't like watching the lead card behind me I want to I want to be on that lead card so that's definitely my goal get on some of those win some of these tournaments um, and just overall play better. I think I've really lost control of, of my drive and that kind of really put a hindrance on my putt. So last week, having an off week, going back home, getting back to my home course, going there and playing and just kind of seeing what it's like to throw the disc and have fun again uh, was something I really needed. So I think it's a, a revamp, Paul, uh, you know, for the second half of the year. Hey, Paul, Grant Sellner, PDGA, and that is scary. <laughs> I'm guessing that the two events you're talking about are your most recent two Elite Series events. Mm -hmm. You finished 51st and then 19th. Do you feel like those finishes reflected the quality of your play? Do you feel like there were other factors? And in either case, how have you specifically fixed that? Yeah, so uh, DDO, for example, you know, we had the extreme wins, and, and I, my mentality going into that is I really wanted to shred the course, but the wins that we had I, I i shouldn't even have worried about the courses i needed to play the wind and i i didn't do that i didn't just take my overstable disc and throw it every hole and take you know the 300 350 distance and just played the hole and just battled the wind instead i was trying to fight the course and that just wasn't the right game plan and i did that all three rounds um and i think i learned a lot going into you know we'll be back there for worlds so i did learn a lot about the course be in spots that i hopefully will not be in again on those courses come world's time so um but if we do step into that situation where we got 
about those Kansas wins again, I'll know what to do. Uh, so I definitely learned a lot from it and uh, taking that back. And, and I only got to play the golf course once. So I think I'll get at least three, three, three shots at it uh, come World's time. At this point in your career, do you feel like you have the recipe for success when things aren't going your way? Or do you feel like it's always a process of figuring things out anew? It's definitely always a process. There's always something that can go wrong. It can be different each time. Um, and, you know, it's it's something that I need to continue to want to learn. Uh, and, and sometimes you need to go through these struggles in order to get that fire and feel like what it's like to, to struggle and fight out of it. Because I could just quit and, you know, like I have a great career. You know, I've had a great career, but um, I want to continue to do more and, and be better on what I've done in the past. Uh, but I also understand that what I've done in the past isn't going to help me in my next tournament. You know, it, it's if anything, it, it hurts me more than anything because I'll have those expectations that I got to play up. I got to play to, to where I just need to come out here and throw and, and throw the way that I know I can and, and utilize my ability. On these courses, what will it take in order for you to be talking to us just like this on Sunday, but with a trophy in your hand? Understand that par is good, especially out here. Par is really good out here and not get frustrated when, when I do have a 40 footer on possibly 40, 45 footer on possibly 10 straight holes, uh, because it can definitely happen out here. And, and I need to know that, you know, that's, that's still good. Um, so it's just, I got to, to understand that. And, and I think, you know, right now I already I already do understand it, but in that moment I need to be able to carry that over. Uh, and Blue Lake is definitely a little bit more attackable, but you can also fall into the same kind of pattern out there as well. Hello, Paul. Hello. A couple of abstract questions for you, kind of outside of the ropes of this tournament. Um, this season especially, watching some of the shots that you've chosen to throw angles-wise, shot shape-wise, notice that you've been throwing some pretty steep hyzers, um, whether it's hyzer flip or just power hyzer. Um, steeper than I've seen you in previous seasons throwing. Is it a conscious decision based on equipment you're choosing to throw, or are there lines that you're trying to throw differently? No, I think the biggest issue for me in, in my throw is I've been having trouble with my weight, and I've been getting way too... Um, on my front leg. So hyzer has been the only shot that I feel like I've been able to control and keep my weight back. Uh, and I'm sure if you go back, you can watch, or if anyone wants to go back and watch, you can see that my weight's way too far forward. So I'm really struggling on throwing the turnovers and, and things like that. So when we do play these golf courses and these open courses, I can really just rely on staying back and throwing the hyzer and trusting it. Um, so I think it's kind of more of a crutch that I was using than, than working on the game, which, like I said, going back home, I think I've really been able to work on that and, and figure it out. And at this point for you, when you say work on that, is it more just trial and error in the field? And just go somewhere I know I don't have to think about the course that I'm playing. I'm not working on trying to learn the course. I can go the course I know and just throw a turnover on a hole that's clearly a hyzer, but I know I know the course, so I'm just focused on working on my, on my shots, which, of course, I could go out into the field and do that, but uh, when you're on the road, you want to learn the course as much yeah. as possible. One last quick question. Um, so we have a course on a golf course that is using a lot more of the trees. We have 2,000 spectators coming out here. Do you think that this type of property is uh, the future of a wooded property in disc golf when it comes to spectators and events? I, I think it definitely can be. Right now, it's definitely the most accessible. Uh, you know, you don't just kind of stumble on this kind of land everywhere. So uh, right now, I feel like it is the most accessible, uh, accessible, but in the future, maybe someone will own this and this can be a private course similar to how a lot of golf courses are, are private, you know, and, and a lot of them are city owned as well. So um, hopefully, you know, they see the value in that in disc golf. And, and we do have properties that are like this specifically for disc golf, which I kind of feel like Blue Lake is almost that way. Well, good luck, Paul.
Thank you. All right. So hearing from Paul McBeth is pretty cool. Um, it's kind of unfortunate to see him uh, not have the performances he's had. Uh, he's been up to Paul McBeth standards, like DDO not making the cut. DDO, that was weird to see him being 16 over at one point. Like, wasn't Paul McBeth-esque, especially if that's the same courses you got to play going in the world. And he, <clears throat> he kind of made a good point. He's like, I just too, focused too much on playing, trying to shred the course, and then try and focus on the wind. And unfortunate, that's... That's what's going to happen if you don't focus on the right things instead of the wrong things, you know. But um, hearing from him, sorry, hearing from him and saying that he's ready to get back to Paul McBeth ways and this and that is incredible to hear. So I'm totally rooting for him to have a strong finish, if not take it down this weekend. And here in, next is the man who want, took down two weeks ago the OTB Open and got his first win on the Disc Golf Pro Tour since the Memorial in 2018. Here is Mr. Simon Lazat. We are back here with Simon Lazat. Simon, welcome to Portland, Oregon. Yay, one of my favorite places in the States. Oh, that's great to learn, actually. Thank you for sharing that. We learned something very incredible a couple weekends ago. Dad power is real. <laughs> yeah. Great, great job taking down the win at OTB Open. The first big win in quite a while. What is that doing for the confidence for this weekend, and what did it do for Simon? Oh, I mean, I was just glad my strategy worked. You know, got out there a day early, played one practice round, and then kept it simple, kept it in the fairway, and hit the putts. Um, it was just great. And especially the final round, just walking through the fairways with confidence and not being nervous about anything, not overthinking stuff. It was really cool. So I hope I can build on that, but... Uh, I definitely don't feel more confident now than I have been in the past. It was great to know that I still can. I knew that I can and I knew that I should. It was just like a matter of doing it. So I'm really glad I finally did it. And I'm approaching this tournament just like that one. Just keep it simple and just keep telling myself no pressure, no expectations. Just go out there and play because um, playing with a win that the next tournament after your win can put more pressure on you, but I haven't really had time to even process that, that win because I've been so busy for the last 13, 14 days, however long it's been, uh, less than that, 12 days or something. It's been just crazy. So I don't even remember that win, so I'm good. I'm starting at zero. Starting at zero, just keeping it cool. Um, yeah, because you've, you've mentioned mental game, mental coach, all of those things. So really just trying to keep it cool, trying to breathe through your shots. Is that what your focus is? Yeah, just, just take it shot by shot. I mean, everyone in golf knows that's how golf is played. Only the next shot matters. And every time I step up to my next shot, I just tell myself, don't worry. No one cares. Just throw no one cares. All right, so have you had a chance to play the new Glendevere design? I played it twice. I played it yesterday for the first time, and I instantly noticed it's not really a course that I can play once and really know what's going on because there's a lot of long holes, a lot of big trees that you, especially on the greens, you want to know where those trees are from, so where you want to attack the green from. So I chose to play it again today instead of Blue Lake because at Blue Lake I've played a bunch of times, and... Yeah, it's long and difficult. A lot of gaps to it, a lot of low ceilings. Um, but I feel ready for it. 
Are you throwing a variety of shots and discs, or are you sticking mostly to your distance drivers? Yeah, it's mostly distance drivers out here. I think there's the mid-range is kind of staying in the bag on golf courses for disc golf for some reason. I think there's a couple upshots that are mid-ranges, but some of those holes are so long that it's distance driver, distance driver to get there into. Um, lots of really fun shots, but I could probably play this course with four discs. Well, good luck this weekend, Simon, and here's Grant from the PDGA. Thank you. Hey, Simon, really just one question for you today. With that win at OTB a couple of weeks ago, uh, do you feel like that was a sign that you've recovered from various injuries and things to a certain point and you're there and maintenance is now the key or are you still pressing uh, to get more out of your body and to get back to uh, say 100% if you're not there yet well I'm definitely not over my injury it's pretty much just as bad as it was the last dozen months my injury will never be better unless I try something like stem cell therapy or some kind of surgery or stuff. But it's just an injury that just it won't get better over time. Like my therapist told me that it'll never be good again unless we try uh, some different kind of stuff. So what is getting better is my brain. <laughs> like mentally, I'm just more relaxed, more calm, feel more of a routine out there and having more control. And with an injury like this where... It's all about controlling my body, my emotions, not overdoing things, not getting like overly excited or too much adrenaline going for the rounds. It makes it so much easier to get through long courses like this because I'm just way more calm and like more focused because it takes a lot of practice and routine to play a four hour round and stay focused the whole time. Food for thought. Thanks, Simon. Hello, Simon. Brian, let's go. <laughs> so last uh, event at OTB your backhand obviously looked beautiful and you mentioned that you're kind of changing the way you're approaching the backhand and all of that change of technique and change of decision making is coming to fruition for you but also I noticed you threw some beautiful sidearms and your putting stroke looked beautiful at that tournament as well. How much work are you putting in to those skills on tour? I mean on tour it's really tough to put in work really it's I mean, I arrive a day before the tournament, play the tournament, go back home. So the, the work and preparation really happens at home where I have my basement, where I can putt 30 footers, where I try to putt like two to 400 putts a night. And I mean, the whole backhand thing, I've always had a, had a good backhand. And as long as I keep it controlled and just, I, I, I'm feeling I repeat myself, but just keep it controlled, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And... Keep it low out here. It's really important. Keep yeah. it low. I got to tell myself for every shot, just keep it low. Don't try it hard. And then just, you know, I've been throwing this my entire life. You yeah. just got to stop thinking and just let your body kind of flow. Well, speaking of that, I know you'd mentioned to me last year in a conversation we had that when you were growing up playing disc golf, one of your main focuses was just running aces and just oh, trying yeah. to throw the disc in the basket no matter where you were. And obviously that grooved a nice little skill set for you. Do you still have any essence of that young Simon, even when you're playing now? I know you threw in at the last event. Yeah. Well, aces are one of the finest things in, in disc golf. So I got into trick shots and I was my entire childhood so obsessed with throwing, running aces, throwing for distance. I wouldn't be surprised if I've thrown more shots in my life than probably in any other pro, just not really practice shots, more like just having fun shots, trying to run aces and stuff, which could be a cause for an overuse injury. But 
No, I mean, I just love throwing. It's so fun. Does that ever play into your strategy on the course, trying to throw in? Unfortunately, yes. I've noticed many times that all my upshots are like 20 feet long, almost all of them. And I'm like, why am I doing that to myself? Because you don't want these 20-foot comebackers sometimes. You want to be like part. So a throw-in is... 99% of the time, not a good throw or not really what you were trying to do. But for some reason, I don't know if it's the vlogs or it's just how I've always been playing. I, I can't, my mind over matter can't do it. Like I always have to run it, give it a chance. It's just, it, it feels like it's like engraved. Well, good luck this week, Simon. Thank you. All right. So hearing a little bit from Simon is pretty cool. Um, Simon's always been one of my favorite people. He's super funny, super down to earth. Um, he's super easy to talk to. Um, you can literally talk to this man about anything and just everything that he ever receives in life is just truly, truly amazing. And he deserves, um, all the stuff that he gets in life. Um, and the very last one I'm going to have you guys listen to is the man who got kind of screwed out of the wind life here at Portland Open. Here is Kevin Jones. We're back here with Kevin Jones, the DJ with bass in his bones. Welcome to Portland, Oregon, Kevin. Thanks, Zoe. Really glad to have you here. And have you been to Portland before? Yeah, a few times. A few times. Played these courses? Uh, well, specifically this layout now. <laughs> and Blue Lake? Blue Lake, absolutely, yes. What are your feelings? Are you excited to go back for this uh, competition, bringing Blue Lake back into the Portland Open? Yeah, I played Blue Lake today, and it was it was fun. It brought back a lot of memories, especially considering I, I might have one of the best rounds out there at Blue Lake. I'm not sure if it's the course record, but I'm very happy with it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave some of the course and tournament questions for the guys, but I would like to get into a really special performance that we had just two weekends ago mm. at the OTB Open. It wasn't on the disc golf course. It was actually performed on the course, but it was music. We had you DJing. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was and who you opened for? Yeah, well, we had a little show last weekend. It was it was a great time. Um, one of my favorite things to do in my free time is make music, electronic music specifically. And a couple weekends ago at the OTB Open, that was my first opportunity to play an official Kevin Jones set. So I just played a bunch of music that I've made over the past couple years, and it was an amazing time. And I opened for the main squeeze, who's an extremely talented funk band, and they were all awesome. I mean, what was that experience like for you? It was unbelievable playing my music and having everybody just moving and dancing to it all ages anybody could enjoy it and it was yeah it was perfect that day was was special for me and we've heard that this saturday um we're expected to see another music venue or repeating occurrence will you be playing there as well i heard that i have a slot to play there and so i've got a couple new few new songs for everybody and we're gonna go a little bit different so if you were at the last one this will be a totally different one all right well congratulations on dropping the round one front nine for our viewers can you tell us what that is and where to find it round one front nine is my first song that i made that i'm like totally happy with and i love how it came out i used lou Humphrey's vocals of saying round one front nine for the first drop and the second drop and there's also a little uh jomez tag in there as well that a lot of people have heard but it's a listenable it's easy to listen to the song and uh hopefully can make somebody's day a little bit better
definitely easy to dance to, but how can someone get it? It's available on all platforms. Apple Music, Spotify, everything, YouTube Music, Amazon, you name it. It's up there by now. All right. Well, before I pass it off to Grant, tell us what's on uh, Kevin Jones's playlist. Um... I always have been listening to Charles the First a lot lately, especially like for morning music. It's really good. Um, also, really easy to listen to music. But uh, yeah, I, I love Charles the First music. Hey, Kevin Grant Zellner, PDGA. Before we leave the topic of music behind, can you talk about the importance for you of balancing other pursuits and other hobbies, balancing those with your career as a professional athlete? I think um, when I was younger, I'm 25 now, but when I was 21 and on tour, the only thing that I wanted to do was play disc golf, and that is totally cool. But at this point, it's not the only thing that I want to do, and it's extremely important to have other hobbies to fall back onto. Making music one of them great hobby doesn't take wi-fi you can do it anywhere so it's literally perfect and then another hobby is the rock climbing that i've picked up that's helping my strength and uh, hopefully my endurance in the sport let's take it back to the sport back between the ropes you had a great portland open last year with a heartbreaking finish is that the kind of thing that sticks in your mind for a while does it go away but then come back when you step back on these grounds uh, how is that motivating you this year i don't Coming out on these grounds doesn't bring up any bad memories at all. Um, it's too pretty out here, and there's just too, it's just too fun to, to, to be ripping discs through these, line, through these, through these fairways. Um, but no, not, not something that's on my mind at all. I'm just out here to play as many holes as well as I can. This year, uh, in 2022, you've got a couple of top fives along with several finishes outside the top 20. What is it that you're looking for in your game right now, and did the week off help you find it? I'm looking to solidify the more simple, what I felt like were simple shots in my game, such as a 300 foot mid range and a 280 putter. Like these shots should be 100 percenters for me, and they have been in the past. They need to be that now. Thanks, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hey, hi, Brian. Got a couple questions for you. So you have a house now in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes. Is that correct? That's correct. First off, first part of the question, how are you loving the Charlotte area as your home base? And number two, how does it change the way you approach being a professional athlete now? Um, I, re I really enjoy Charlotte as a home base. It's got anything that I could ask for as far as airport, disc golf, fun things to do, good food. It checks them all. So I really like it. And it's also fantastic that I get to settle down after like the pro tour championship and be home considering that is my home now. So I, I really like that. It's not changing much of anything as an athlete, I would say. Um, other than now I, I get to be home right after the, the season. And so it's a comfortable feeling, but yeah, it doesn't change much else. So you've been on the road enough to be called almost a tour veteran at this point. You've been mm -hmm. playing quite a few tournaments, and it's funny to say because you're still not even close to 30 yet, so mm -hmm. you still have a long way to go in your career. Still haven't chased down that major championship yet. How hungry are you to take one of those down this season? I know we're at an Elite Series event now, but we know all what's on the minds of the top players. Uh, that's the number one priority, um, and those tournaments are just going to be treated so specially for me. It's great when you can come up with such a solid game plan on uh, really important courses and tournaments like that. And that's what I've done in the past at the World Championships and at USDGC a couple times. I've got a couple great opportunities this year that I'm looking forward to.
So then when, when it comes to tournaments that are not majors, how do you treat them? Do you treat them with the same intensity? Yeah, I consider any any disc golf pro tour to be top priority, basically. Placing in the pro tour standings is the most important thing for me. Perfect. Well, good luck this week. Thanks. Uh, Kevin, quickly, our YouTube comments are debating if a hot dog is a sandwich or not. What's your take? Uh, I've been asked this before. There is. <laughs> uh, wow. Probably not. Nope. I guess not. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I love how people just keep asking that hard-hitting question always. It's just funny to me, but. Yeah, hearing him, hearing his mental game, how um, hearing his mental state, I guess I should say, after um, he had that such that heartbreaking loss last year, um, it's just cool. It's like saying he's like doesn't really go into my mind because at the end of the day, I have to make those shots, and he, he takes it as like motivation going into it. So um, super excited for him, and can't wait to see how he finishes this out. But. Um, even though I didn't come to you guys on the podcast until uh, Saturday, or until I guess today, which is Saturday, <laughs> um, I did have my picks already for who I thought was going to take down the Portland Open. And even though I'm sure you've been watching the tournament and you're probably like, "Oh, these people are not going to be aren't even close right now," uh, I'm just going to stick with my picks because I can't change them just because I started this after the tournament started. So. Uh, my picks for this week's uh, winners for the Portland Open for MPO, I have Kevin Jones taking it down, coming back after that heartbreaking loss last year. And then for FPO, I have Katrina Allen taking it down. So um, maybe we'll see if they end up taking it down. Who knows? You never know. But um, <clears throat> that about does it for this week's episode. Um, got a couple things for you guys real quick. Um, being the fourth, we have three more days before um, – my charity for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital ends. We are still $180 away from our goal. Um, if you guys want to donate about five, it doesn't matter. If it's a dollar, five dollars, doesn't matter. If you guys want to help me out, we want to get the, as much as we can in before the, three, before the 7th of June. Um, anything helps, so please go ahead and help me out with that. Um, as far as the YouTube channel thing goes, um, I haven't done a recap for Walnut Open, which I had the next couple weeks off. So at some point next week, I do plan on doing a recap for the Walnut Open um, and kind of doing a little walkthrough on that because I do want to get the YouTube thing going more. I do want to get um, more podcasts. I want to play more. I want to. I just haven't had motivation lately, and it's just a it's a horrible feeling to have. So um, I hope to have more motivation to do podcasts soon. And also do the YouTube stuff also. But with me dealing with mental health and all this and that, um, it sucks. Um, having depression, anxiety is not the greatest feeling in the world. Um, anybody who suffers from it will know. Um, you can't just play it off as it being, oh, you'll just get over it. Oh, people have it worse than you. Um, it's something you can't control sometimes, and it sucks. Um, and if any, I'm not a therapist or anything, but if anybody out there is suffering from mental health and needs just someone to talk to, or just a friend, come on on the show, or you don't have to come on the show, but just message me and ask me, tell me what your problem is, and I should be hopefully able to help you out. I am willing to be that second, you know, that ear in your, you know, that ear you talking to. Um, I can be that friend. I can help you out if you need it. Um, just reach out. <clears throat> Everybody at the end of the day needs a friend. <clears throat> Mental health is not a fun thing to play with, so you just got to 
take life as much as you can. Don't let anything really get to you. And just, just try and be happy. You just gotta love, in order to love someone else, you gotta love yourself. That's the main point, you know. You gotta be able to love yourself before you can love anything or anyone else. So, like I said, if you have, if you need help with anything and you want to, need someone to reach out to, you have me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just reach out to me, message me directly. You can, or even if you have me on Snapchat, go ahead and message me. I'll listen to you guys. Um, we are all in this together. So, <clears throat> but uh, that about does it for this week's episode, guys. Make sure you tell someone you love them this week because not every day is guaranteed. I am Cody Enervold, PDGA member 148739, and I will see you guys on the next one. Love you guys. Peace!